0: Hello, my kakou. Welcome to a new episode of What's School You Went? I start every conversation with that question. I'm Ron Mizutani, and today we're talking story with the current WSL Women's Big Wave World Champion and a role model for women worldwide. We're humbled to welcome professional surfer, actor, DJ, and crusader for LGBTQ rights and equality in women's sports, Gala Kennedy. Welcome to PBSL. What's up, guys? Good to have you here. Uh, before we get started, what's going? you
1: went? <laughs> uh you talking about high school? Yeah. Uh, I went to Kapa'a High School over in Kauai. Home of the Warriors. Yeah, home of the Warriors. Right um, and I grew up, I lived in Hanalei, so it was, it was a long bus ride to school back That's and right. forth each day. Yeah. So the bus. kids who
0: live on the North Shore, uh, Kilauea, Hanalei, Haena,
1: I lived in Ha Anna You lived in Haenna, so, so even further. Even further. Yes. Wow. So
0: every day you have to catch the bus, because that's the closest high school. That was the
1: closest high school for us. So yeah, we, we were up at dark, standing on the road in the dark, and it was it was like a good hour, hour half bus ride to school. And then back and home. then back, yeah.
0: In time for a sunset surf.
1: Try to, yeah. Try in the to. winter time it'd get a little <laughs> a little harder when the sun was setting earlier, but we'd we'd try and fit it in. I always try and do like my homework on the bus. On the bus? On the drive home, because then, then it would be done. I could hopefully get a session in before. Gotta get that
0: afternoon session in yeah. before the sun sets. Uh, you are arguably, but in my books, uh, with my Kau- Kauai roots, one of the best female surfers ever. Uh, this, Thank you. this state has has produced uh, one of the best big wave women surfers on this planet. <laughs> uh, and you're not the biggest Wahine. What do people say about that when they actually see you they go, "Wait a minute, you ride those monsters? I mean, you were at White Man Bay the other day. I want to talk about that." Yeah. Uh but uh, what is it that possesses you to want to do that to your body?
1: <laughs> well, you said, you asked me like what do, what do people think about? Like the one of the first things I get when people meet me in in person, the the first thing they say is, "You're so little. Oh my god, you're so you're so petite." Like they expect me to look like the Incredible Hulk or something because I ride those big waves, you know, they just assume like I'm this beast of a person. And when, uh, when they meet me in real life, like, you know, I'm like five, five and a half, like 115 pounds. Like I, I, I'm average size, but people just think I'm really small in person (laughs) compared to like what they envision I'm going to look like.
0: When, when you, when you're, uh, training for something like that, I mean, Take, take us through that, because, I mean, you grew up surfing, obviously, Hanalei and Kalihiwai. I'm sure all those uh, great spots on the North Shore. Uh, with, the, with, you know, the prizes always here on Oahu as well. Um, your early years in surfing, if you don't mind sharing your, your early years uh, representing Kauai, representing the state, and then, of course, on the world tour.
1: So I grew up uh, Hanalei side, and I grew up right down the street from Andy and Bruce Irons, my godfather was Laird Hamilton. You know, we had guys like Kala Alexander, Titus Kinimaka, and then a bunch of my peers were like, you know, Kamalei Alexander, Danny Fuller. Like, a lot of these guys that came out of Kauai, they're now, like, famous world-class surfers, you know. But I grew up really close with, with Andy and Bruce Irons, and they were, like, brothers to me. And they treated me like a brother. They were super mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't really want me hanging out with them, especially like as a girl, but they kind of tolerated me um, and we became friends and we hung out and and, and surfed together all the time. And um, uh, I think having those guys as like brothers really helped my surfing improve, you know, just being able to surf with those guys, compete against those guys. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't even have enough girls surfing to have a, a girls' division, you know, I used to surf against the boys. And I used to beat the boys consistently. Not so much Andy and Bruce. Like, they'd pretty much win everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like the two of the greatest surfers of all time. But uh, I, I beat them once or twice. Actually, Andy, in, in in one of his old surf videos, talks about the... The first time he entered a, a, a surfing competition, he got he got beat by a girl. And you, <laughs> he's and talking he's talking about Keala. me.
0: That's that's a great story uh, and, and one that I'm sure you embrace, uh, knowing the the life that he lived and and the impact that he had on the yeah. surfing world and really beyond yeah. beyond the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Just a cool individual. Um, the, the tour is a grind.
1: Uh, the maybe, tours are grind.
0: T- t- tell us about it. I mean for, for anybody who doesn't understand it, and for what Carissa' is doing now and succeeding the way she does, as well as you know what, what Kelly Slater has done in, on the world tour, that is a grind.
1: The tour is a grind. and you know, growing up in Hawaii, we have such good waves here. You know We have like bigger waves, power, you know more powerful waves. And you know, I really excelled in the in the events here in Hawaii with, with our excellent waves. And so when I went out on tour, you don't realize that you're, you're not gonna be surfing Hawaiian-style waves everywhere, everywhere you go. So like, you know, small waves and beach breaks, that, the, that was like my Achilles heel, you know? I, I finished my highest ranking on the World Championship Tour. I finished second in the world, I almost won. But it was always those events in the small waves that, that got me and pulled my ranking down. Like I would win Tahiti you know, I would win Tavarua if it was like big, if it was barreling. Like, you know, I could win those events, but you know, you put me in a beach break at like, I don't know, Brazil or France or something, and I was just, I was just useless.
0: Wait, because people don't realize it's it's not like you're surfing pipe every day, you're, or or chopo. You're surfing two foot mush, yeah, a uh, shore break. Yeah, there's... and back
1: back when I used to do it, you have to understand, like, things have gotten so much better for the women now. You know, not, I'm not just talking about like the, the equal prize money and all that, but they would blatantly like give the women the worst conditions of the contest. Like it was blatant. Like the waves would be all right. They'd send the guys out, and then it would turn on shore, and the tide would change, and the conditions would just completely fall apart. And in the middle of the men's rounds, they would call off the men and be like, "Okay, let's send the chicks out." You know, they wouldn't even finish the men's round. They would just be like, "Okay, the waves are trash. Girls, your turn." That's just
0: that's that's. Frustrating. It's it was. It was. It was. I it was. And, and um,
1: so when we say the tour was a grind, it was a, especially a grind for the women.
0: An emotional level too. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, to, I mean, I was, I spent most of my, almost my entire time on the CT tour in the closet. So <laughs> emotionally, that like that, like hiding who I was, you know, and feeling like I couldn't live authentically, being. Just in fear all the time that somebody was going to out me. I was going to lose my sponsors. My career would be over. Like that. That was, I think, more of an emotional component for me at the I, time.
0: I want to explore that uh, with you in, in a bit. Uh, in, you're, you are a pioneer on so many different fronts. Uh, certainly on the big wave rider front. I mean, you are one of the one of the legends that come to mind. The, the names, uh, Waimea Bay calls the day and the wahine were very much involved this this latest round and and there you were uh, <laughs> with your colleagues and your peers uh, surfing with the men yeah and and you know what and kicking some serious booty
1: i mean you guys And <laughs> getting my booty kicked i don't know <laughs> if you saw that wipeout but yes
0: i did <laughs> yeah that but and, was and intense. you but you're, but you're here <laughs> but so i'm still thank, here thank you, yeah thank i got you. my
1: stitches out uh, oh my last gosh. week i'm here <laughs>
0: Tell us about that experience, though. That was that was a, a landmark, iconic day for, for women's surfing, wasn't it?
1: Well, you know, when, uh, I just told you about growing up with Andy and Bruce Irons and, and, and those guys, and, you know, we had all our heroes, but, like, our biggest hero, I think, growing up, uh, apart from, like, Kelly Slater, was Eddie Aikau. Mm-hmm. And the Eddie Aikau big wave event was just, like, monumental, historical. Like, Eddie was Eddie was just, like, a legend, but his event was legendary, and if you were somebody that surfed in the eddy and you won the eddy, it propelled you to hero status immediately. Hmm. And so like we all like dreamed about like, oh, what if you know what if we were in the eddy one day? But, but as a little girl, I remember having that that dream with those boys and then being like, "Oh, but that can never happen for me because I'm a girl, and the eddy it's only men, so that I, I'll never be able to be in the eddy." Fast forward to 2017, I became the first woman to be invited. And when Clyde selected me as the first woman in history to be invited into the Eddie, it was just—I was just mind blown.
0: What a what a what a, a, a opportunity! But what an important moment for you. Yeah. On so many different fronts, right? Yeah.
1: Still, still probably one of the biggest honors of my entire surfing career when I got that call.
0: Very cool. Very cool. I. I I it was, uh, you know, I'm so glad that it, it went this year. Uh, we all were you know, excited about when the first swell was coming in. and I'm so glad they didn't have they, it on I'm, that I'm first swell. I'm glad they didn't. I'm so glad they didn't have it on that first That swell. was an incredible day at Waimea Bay. Yeah. It was a Yeah, I, I went day.
1: and surfed that first swell, and it was onshore. It wasn't, I think, nearly as big as, as we would have liked it to be for the eddy. You know, the eddy's supposed to be like a very special swell, and that first one was just not it.
0: Okay, I, yeah. I, I don't want to be uh, disrespectful in any way, but how does a five foot five, 115-pound <laughs> wahine, uh, I mean, sometimes with that onshore breeze coming right at your face, how do you muscle into one of those, uh, you know, mountains and, and, and ta- take us down one of those rides? Well, like? I
1: mean, it's, like, it's hard as a female because you don't have the same upper body strength as, as the men, you know? And... Um, I had mixed feelings about surfing directly, in, like being all together with the men. Like on one hand, like I really liked it because, first of all, all the male athletes were extremely welcoming. They were out there, you know, encouraging the women. But at the same time, it's like their they, their upper body strength. They can just paddle so much harder, and they can sit so much deeper. And you know, for a lot, you know, a lot of them, it, it wasn't their first Eddie, You know. So they know what they're doing, and uh, but it was you know it was inspiring to be surfing with them because I used to surf with Andy and Bruce like they it used to push me to surf with the boys it would like push me to 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 push my limits to like where they were pushing their limits you know um, but having said that if we would have had like a separate women's heats we could have positioned ourselves a little different you mm-hmm. know probably gotten some of the better waves because the guys are gonna get all the best waves they just have that upper body strength, you know, they have that experience. So it like that huge wave I got in my second round. Yeah. Um,
0: that, was a, that, was, that was a ride.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was more like base jumping <laughs> off a mountain. But, you know, my first round I went out and there was, I was with, you know, all the guys and, you know, they're going to sit deeper than you. They're going to paddle harder than you. So they were getting all the best waves. And there was a few, you know, there was a couple ways I turn and paddle for and I really wanted it, but there was always, you know, a guy deeper. And the last thing in the world I want to do is, is, is drop in on someone, you know, disrupt their wave, wipe out. My board hits them, they get you know, hurt. Yeah. So, so I think there was one in my first round where Landon was a little bit deeper than me and I was paddling for it. And I saw him and I was already like pretty committed, but I saw he, he got it and he was deeper than me. So I pulled back. Knowing I was gonna get sucked over the falls and pounded, but I just, I just made, I just sacrificed myself so I didn't mess him up, you know.
0: I think I remember that right. He scored, <clears throat> he scored well on that. Yeah, I wanted well. that wave
1: so bad. So yeah, in my, <clears throat> in my second round, I was like really determined to get one of those really good waves that the guys were getting. But in order to do that,
0: you better be deep.
1: I have to sit deeper than than the guys, so that's what I did, and I was really deep on that one, really deep on that one.
0: What are you thinking when you're getting launched like that?
1: You know, I... I mean, it's
0: not your first. That wasn't your first wipeout, but what are you thinking?
1: You know, these last couple years... So I had a really bad wipeout in in the Jaws event a few years ago. Um, I actually won. I actually won wipeout of the year. I beat all the guys. (laughs) But it was a really heavy wipeout where I just... It looked like I had a good line coming into it, but it was extremely windy. And like I said, I only weigh 115 pounds. So like once the wind gets up under your board, like you're done. So that that, a big gust of wind came out the face, got under my board. I was just like trying to hold it down. The board flipped, it hit me in my shin. It flipped again and hit me in my ribs. And then it flipped again and hit me in my jaw. And then I just went cartwheeling down this massive wave. And then my leash like after the wave exploded on me my leash ripped my my back leg out of the hip socket and it went it immediately went back in but it tore my labrum and it also ripped my MCL but the labral tear uh was bad and it it steadily got I kept surfing on it I didn't really know what it was I knew something was wrong but I I continued to surf on it for the next like year and a half and it just got it got worse and worse and worse and worse um and I eventually had to go get surgery, three anchors to the bone. Wow. Uh, but ever since ever since that injury and that surgery, I just don't feel like I've surfed the same. Like, my performance level just ha- hasn't been the same. That back leg just has, like, an instability that wasn't there before. And mm. so I've, in the last couple of years, just feel like I'm I've been wiping out a lot more, which is then I'm getting injured a lot more. So... So, yeah, I was kind of in a weird space going into this eddy because I've just been feeling not the same confidence in my surfing. Every time I'm going surfing, I feel like I'm getting hurt or I'm just not performing up to the level I'm used to. And for a professional athlete that's used to performing at an elite level, level, it's yeah. like I want to perform at that level or above. If I'm consistently performing below the level I'm, I'm used to, to performing at, it's just... It's just really frustrating, you know so I, can
0: imagine, I mean, I can only imagine. Yeah, I, I really really can't imagine being that elite level of anything. but to So to, answer, so you
1: to answer your question, you know the first round, um, I think the first wave I caught, there was an, a guy on the shoulder that dropped in, so I had to readjust my line, and then a chop came up the face, and I hit the chop, and I, I, I fell and I went flying. So my first wave I wiped out. And then I went to paddle back out, and there was, you know, huge clean set, closed out the whole bay. So I got caught by that, and when I came out, my board was broken. So my first round was just kind of a wash. I had, like, a wipeout, and then I broke my board, and it was done. So so for the second round, I actually borrowed a board from, Chum, from Lucas Chumbo, because my backup board was smaller than the board I was oh riding in my, my first seat, and it just kept getting bigger. Yeah. Like, all day long, it, the swell just—that swell was— Something special, man. But so I I borrowed a board from Lucas, and you know, not my dimensions, never ridden it in my life, but I was just like so determined to go out there and like get a couple good waves, make some rides. You know, I've just been feeling like I've Mm -hmm. just been wiping out so much. I really wanted to go out, make some rides. And once I made like a ride or two, that's when I was like, okay, I've made a couple rides, but now I want Mm-hmm. I want a bomb. Like, I want a Billy Kemper, mm-hmm. Kai lenny size, proper bomb out here. So that's when, and I was like, if I want to do that, I got to sit deeper than all. I got to paddle out further and sit deeper than all these guys and, like, call my wave. And so, yeah, I paddled out deeper, way out past everybody else, and then right then this huge set came. And then, yeah, at that moment, I was just like, okay, this is it. This is my moment, you know? So I turned and I just dug for it, but—and and the guys were just like on the shoulder ready to take it, you know, mm-hmm. and they saw, and I, I yelled, and I, they saw me, they pulled back. But it, right when—and it, it looked like I could make it, but as soon as I got to my feet, the wave just jacked, and the thing—the bottom dropped out, the thing just went square. And at that point, there was just no mathematical way I could make that vertical drop.
0: It's insane. Yeah. That's insane.
1: Yeah. But Thank you, don't, you. Know you, you yeah. don't know until you go. You don't know until you go. You know, I've, I've. You got to commit. <laughs> I've done that on waves where I was just like, I'm probably gonna have no chance at this. I'm gonna get blown up. This is gonna be horrible. And somehow I make it. And you know, those, those, those rides you get to keep forever. You know.
0: Well, you'll keep that one forever too. <laughs> you will. <Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: you know, you know, you have, you have uh, broken barriers across the across the board. When did you decide, Kella, enough. I need to be who I am. And, and what made you make that decision to come out publicly uh, as well as knowing that uh, it could change your life? It could change your professional life. It could change your sponsorships. It could change. But it, well, it, it,
1: it,
0: it did. Yeah. <laughs> so t- t- what, what, what was that moment, if you don't mind, sharing?
1: I was on tour even before I got on tour um, when I was wanting to turn professional, there was already these cautionary tales of like, don't be a lesbian. Don't even associate with people that you think are a lesbian on tour. Because if, if, if it's found out that you are an LGBT person, um, like you, you will not have a successful career. You won't, nobody will sponsor you. Like you're, the other athletes are going to, you know, be terrible to you. It was just like a big no-no. And so when I got on tour, and I already kind of suspected that I might be a uh, so when I got on tour, I was just terrified. you know, I went out and got a boyfriend just so I had something to point to to be like, "Nope, I'm straight. See, that's my boyfriend, totally straight, you know but um but yeah, just the years and years on tour of of hiding, of being afraid of not letting people get too close to me because I don't want them to know what my per- what's going on in my personal life. You know, it was a really, really lonely mm-hmm. existence on tour. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very honest person. And so to feel like I'm living this lie, I mean, it was just like eroding my soul, you know, and it, 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 I had some really dark days on tour, just feeling like I can't, I, I, I can't be who I am, or be a professional, like I have to be one or the other. I can't, both can't exist at the same time. And feeling like torn between those two things that are both me, like I, you know, I, had, some, I had some dark days. It was a lot of suicidal ideation and stuff. And eventually I just got to a point where, well, I had a near death experience. Um, my, my appendix ruptured in Costa Rica and I almost died. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, I was, like, in the hospital in Costa Rica, and they were basically telling me, you know, we have to perform this surgery or you're going to die. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, like, if I die today, nobody will will know who I was, like, who I really was, Mm because I hid this from them, you know? And so when I survived that and, and went back on tour, it's not like I just, like, immediately came out to everybody at that point, but I just stopped hiding who I was, you know? And towards my last year or two on tour, I started bringing my girlfriend on tour and introducing her as like, no, this is, this is my partner, this is my girlfriend. This is, whereas before I'd bring girlfriends on tour, oh, this is, my, fr- this is my best friend, you know, this is my friend. So that, that was kind of how I came out. And it was like one of the most freeing feelings I've ever felt in my life awesome. to like live my truth. I lost all my sponsors. <laughs> well, I lost like three out of four of my sponsors. Uh, one of my sponsors cut my salary in half, but um, so yeah, it changed things. It changed things, but I was free. Gave you peace. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Gave you peace and and opened new doors too. Did it not? I mean, has it? I mean, you, you've done acting. You're you world class DJ. I mean, <laughs> the, all of those things. I'm not saying was because you came out, but you've 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 taken your career in a really, lot of different directions and, and expanded <laughs> in, in so many different ways i mean and i think that's super cool you know you, you grew up as a young hot surfer from the north shore of Kauai and and today you're you wear many different hats and and you're <laughs> well, a pioneer had,
1: you know i've had to and, and thank god you know i explored a bunch of different things while i was doing the pro surfing thing because so many athletes you know you dedicate your life to this sport you you don't go to college, you don't get a degree in anything, you know, and then when your athletic career is over, you're you just a lost person in this world because, you know, you went from being this professional athlete superstar to, you know, I've, I've had times where, I've had a lot of times where I've had no sponsors, you know, when I left the tour and I was starting to do the big wave stuff and try and build that tour. Like, I was not making any money from surfing. I was just going in debt in debt, in de- Every time I would chase a big swell and throw it a credit card, I was I was in a mountain of debt and having to work side jobs and figure it out. And you know, you go to try and get a job without a college degree, with like no work experience, because your entire life has been dedicated to surfing and the tour and competing and training. I mean, I couldn't get it. I, I was getting you know minimum wage job. Painting houses, catering jobs—you know, working, you know, for seven fifty an hour, wow. you know, in a cafe. Like, people have no idea. Like, some of the the stuff I've done.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I mean, you know, people don't. No. no,
1: everybody just assumes. Oh, you're, right. you know, this professional surfer. You have all these sponsors. You know, you're loaded. No, I've, I've struggled. I've pulled myself up by my bootstraps. You know.
0: Look at you today. Yeah. Look at you today. And, you know, when it comes to the equality uh, in women's sports, you talked a little bit about the purses getting bigger and and closer to the guys and and obviously the opportunities of surfing at the best spots in the world when the conditions are, you know, great. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we have so much more to go. Not just in women's surfing, but in all of women's sports. Yeah. Uh, Title IX has been incredibly positive for this communities across mm-hmm. the for women and, and being a father of a young woman I, I, I I'm grateful for that but we have so much more work to do
1: yeah I was really happy um, to get the events back on the North shore uh, for the women during the winter time you know when I started competing and started wanting to do professional events and wanted to qualify for the for the world Championship tour I could fly over from Kauai and do the, the triple crown of surfing because way back in my day they had women in the women in the trip the triple crown of surfing here on the north shore we had Haleiwa we had Sunset we Mm -hmm. didn't have pipeline the guys had pipeline and they we, we would have like Honolulu Bay or something like that but there was professional surfing events for women on the north shore and then when I when I got off of the tour and decided to go push the big wave thing I stopped paying attention to you know the QS events and and the, the CT events because it's no longer on tour. But I live on Oahu, and I would still go out and surf Pipeline and surf the North Shore in the wintertime, and I would see all the events, and I wouldn't see any women around, none of the women athletes, like, year after year. And I was just like, wait, what is, what's going on? I'll, I never see any of the women athletes at these events anymore. And I started to do some research, and it had been almost a decade mm-hmm. that they had been excluding the women from all these events on the North Shore. So myself and Betty DiPolito and Carol Phillips Mm -hmm. and Jen Marr and a a few others, you know, we went to the city and county. We drafted Resolution 2012, uh, went to all these hearings. You know, the resolution passed unanimously. Kim Pine took it a step further, turned it into Bill 10, which also passed. And so now, you know, when, when someone, a contest organizer, pulls a permit to run a professional surfing event on the North Shore, they can't. Exclude the women; they have to have a, a a women's division in their event. So now you see women at Pipeline for the first time ever. You know you're seeing women back at the Haleiwa event, the Sunset event, and you know that's important for Hawaii's youth, for aspiring girls that want to make a surfing a career, that want a career path to make the World Championship Tour. The that big gap of 10 years. That's huge. Where there was no. No professional events, no qualifying events in Hawaii. Like this is the birthplace of surfing, and you're making our female competitors f- get a passport and spend thousands of dollars to fly to Japan and Australia, like foreign countries, just to do a qualifier to try and make the tour. Yeah,
0: it was it was crazy, and yeah. the whole permit process was flawed. And but more than more than that, the whole thought process was flawed. Of of justifying that that those decisions it was, they they I I was in news back then and Betty Polito and I were very good friends, um, uh, you know we we would just go mind blowing what what can we do Ronnie help me what you know how do I get how do we even get a a, a body surfing event at Pipe or a women's event it was just crazy what yeah little well it's like if you, you were
1: had. you know if you were born a uh, a little boy in Hawaii and your dream is to be a professional surfer on the World Championship Tour, it's like Hawaii will give you a path. Like here, here's the qualifying events. You know, they will, they will help you get there. If you were born a girl in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, there was nothing for you. There was, there, there was nobody, there was no pathway to, for you to get to the World Championship Tour. You better hope that your parents are rich or you have like amazing sponsors at 12 years old, you know, because you're going to be flying out of Hawaii to try and qualify. Well,
0: it's good to have the good to have the wahine back yes. in the ocean. A yes. uh, couple more questions, uh, Kella. This has been actually a very awesome talking story with you. Um, you know, you, you've been on HBO TV. You've been on <laughs> I mean, Blue Crush. Blue Crush, yeah. You had a role on Blue Crush. Um, uh, is that the future for you, too? I mean, is acting uh, part of who you want to be?
1: You know, I haven't done any acting in a really long time. Um, I really enjoyed it. I would do it again, you know. Um, right now, I've just been focusing on the DJing because that's, like, my steady income. I actually don't make any money from surfing right now. I have no surfing sponsors. The only time I would make a dollar from surfing is if I, you know, won, like, the Red Bull Magnitude or won, a, won an event over at... Um, a big wave event at Jaws or, or whatever. But so I've been focusing more on DJing stuff because that has just been consistent income for me. And then I started a brand. I don't know if you know this, but I started a uh, women's high performance board shirt brand. Yeah. Because when I was growing up, you know, I was more of a tomboy and I liked wearing board shorts. And the brand, the actual surf brands <coughs> either didn't make board shorts for women Or the ones they made were just terrible, you know. They were either, like, most of the time they were just cut way too short, you know. um, And the materials, you know, the guys' materials were just, like, you know, very high performance, four-way stretch, you know. And the women's ones were just stiff. I felt like I was wearing, like, denim shorts, you know. So I used to wear the guys' board shorts. But, you know, they were too long, like, unflattering. So I started actually, like, taking the guys' ones and cutting them. To like mid, you know, what I think is a perfect length, which is like mid thigh. And then, you know, I'd have pictures of me surfing in them on Instagram and stuff. And I, and I would have girls and women reaching out to me like, oh, my God, like, where did you get those women's board shorts? They're like the perfect length. And I was just like, oh, they're not actually, they're guys, I cut them. And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm not.
0: You're onto something.
1: I'm not the only woman that wants this stuff. So I started a brand and I love my brand. It's called Active. It's uh, A-K-K-T-I-V-E, active. And, yeah, I make high-performance board shorts for women. But not, I mean, not exclusive to women. I mean, I have, like, like, gay boys love them. You know, they're open to to whoever, men, women, non-binary, trans. Like, anybody can wear them. I design them for women, but, you know.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I love that.
1: I've never started a business before. This is, like, my first... Business I've started, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. So, yeah. www.active.com.
0: Get it in there. Yeah. Kella, you've been a joy to talk story with, um, a hero to many, uh, in more ways than you'll ever know. Uh, the lives that you've touched, <clears throat> not just not just in the surfing world, but beyond that. I mean, you have you've been a pioneer uh, in so many ways, and and been very courageous in what you've done, knowing that your life would change, and no regrets. No time, to, time to live. Yeah, <laughs> time to live. Any final thoughts? What's next for Keala Kennelly? Um,
1: I'm not sure. You know, I've been, like I said, prior to the Eddie, not, like, questioning whether I want to continue doing this crazy stuff that I've been doing for so long. Because uh, I don't know if my body can handle... Too much more of, of these injuries and wipeouts and stuff. I mean, I love it. I'll always love it, but I just don't know if it's not a sustainable lifestyle.
0: <laughs> Chasing mountains, no. Yeah,
1: throwing yourself <laughs> off these cliffs. Um, but no, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm I'm really excited about my brand. I'm gonna, you know, put a lot a lot of my focus into that. I'm sure I will continue surfing, and I'll probably continue surfing. Big waves, but yeah, it's, it's not my focus right now.
0: You're your focus right now. <laughs> yeah. That's cool.
1: Trying to, trying to f- have a life, figure out who I am outside of this, this surfing world.
0: Well, surfing world's been good to you, but you've been good for the surfing world, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, right thanks on. for having Ma- me. Yeah, good to have you. Mahalo Nui for joining us, folks. Join us next time, another episode of What School You Went. Until then, aohi What School You Went is a PBS Hawaii production. Music by Taimonic Gardner. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell your friends. You can find us on pbshawaii.org and everywhere you get your podcasts.